There is nothing wrong with your station. We are attempting to decalcify your third eye. This is the Third Eye High Podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. And I'm your host, JF Bay. I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. As we continue on in the book report series, I will be giving you some powerful literature that I encourage you add to your libraries because we're going to get this American story, this American history story right because they told his story, but we never heard our story. See, I'm an I'm an avid researcher, an our historian, if you will. Salute to all my our historians out there, those that are uncovering the hidden jewels to tell our true story in this so-called American story, because. American history is so-called black history, but I would say indigenous history, right? Because we are indigenous to all the continents, right? We are the true chosen people, but we're not trying to put ourselves higher than someone and make someone else lower, but we're just trying to get the facts of this, these historical accounts. We're trying to get them told right because we can't have the youth pushing this 400 years slavery narrative for the next 400 years, right? We have to really get some truths out here and then maybe we all can compare truth and all stand on truth. So now I want to add another powerful book to your library. Man, this is this is this is one of my favorite books here. They were white and they were slaves. That's the actual title of the book. <laughs> you can't make this up. They were white and they were slaves. The Untold History of the Enslavement of Whites in Early America by Michael A. Hoffman II. Salute to Michael Hoffman for his powerful contribution in true American history. So we're going to go into this powerful book, do what you got to do, pour you up something, you know, get you some sea moss, get you some tea, you know. Roll you up smurbs, take your herbs, you know, whatever you're doing at this time. Grab your pen and paper, get ready to take some notes because we are definitely here to give you that spiritual download. We're definitely here to raise your vibration and to bring some mental clarity to this ongoing uh, slavery narrative. So as we continue, let's get into it, shall we? Powerful, powerful stuff. And we're going to start off because I, I bounce around and I just read a few excerpts from the book and we expound on, you know, what we're reading and to just give you um, the frame, the framework or the mindset of the author and to compare notes with the times, you know, and this is from other books that I've recommended to show you the parallel and the correlation between the stories. So now, where did that term kidnapper? We all heard that, right? You know, the, the first time we hear the term kidnapper, we think, you know, some crazy white dude in a van <laughs> snatching kids. But it's ironic that America, 800,000 kids go missing, never to be seen again in this country. And we know that's dealing with organ harvesting, child sex trafficking, etc. These are the conversations we really don't want to talk about, but it's like, it's apparently happening, right? Because... So many kids on so many, you know, they used to put kids on milk cartons, right? They wouldn't sell enough milk if they, you know, if they use all the cartons to put a missing kid on there. 
right? They had to stop doing that because it was so many kids going missing. But this whole term of kidnapper, it gets its inception from white slavery. In fact, the first kidnappers, like they always been, <laughs> the, the, the first and the last kidnappers, always been so-called white. And I say so-called because they became white by the Naturalization Act of 1790 became white as a status this is all dealing with class so if they became white you became black because scientifically your skin could not be black my hoodie's black my beard's black my locks are black but my skin is of a copper hue but your skin is only a descriptive account it's not your national identity it's not your origin but we start off on page 56. They were white and they were slaves. The untold history of the enslavement of whites in early America by Michael A. Hoffman II. Now the term kidnapper, originally one who stole or, de or decoyed children or apprentices from their parents or masters to send them to the colonies, called also spiriting but now used for all recruiting crimps from the king's troops or those of the East Indian Company and agents for indent, indenting indentured servants for the plantations. Now pay attention. All of these so-called uh, colonies, they were getting their labor from these companies, right? where people actually, you know, had uh, shareholders and, you know, they, they had uh, stock and all this other stuff. The first, you know, Wall Street stock, even in Wall Street in New York City on the, the steps of, of the Wall Street stock exchange. Before they were exchanging in commodities, they were exchanging in human commodities, i.e. human labor. So the first concept of kidnapper, it came from this uh, thing called spiriting. Now, the spiriting concept went as, as such. It started in England, where these poor so-called whites would snatch people's children off the streets, and they would pledge their labor in America. So they had something called the head right system. So if I kidnapped your kid, right, let's, let's, let's put, a, put it in context. If I was a so-called white kidnapper, right? <laughs> oh, my God. If I was a so-called white kidnapper, and I kidnapped your kid, and... I, I put him on a ship that was on its way to America. Your child now would be working as a so-called white slave in the American colonies. And I would receive 50 acres of land for kidnapping your kid and putting him on a ship and sending him over to be a slave in the colonies. This was taking place. This was running rampant where they would snatch all kind of kids off the street. So this whole concept of kidnapper came from white slavery you don't say so it goes on kidnapper a stealer of human beings of children the origin of exportation to the plantations of north america and this comes from 1666 666 huh wow market of busy right the term it is also to be noted that kidnappers worked in gangs Keep in mind, right? So you had people creating a whole system 
of how to kidnap your kid, right? It wasn't just like, hey, little kid, you want a piece of candy? And then they throw you in a van. Nah, they had judges. They had lawmen of the time. They had, you know, teachers. It was so many people, so-called prominent people, that were a part of this kidnapping system. Because remember what I said, if I kidnapped you and I put you on a ship going to America, I can pledge your labor and I would be awarded up to 50 acres of land. So this shit was about people bossing up, trying to be their own boss, right? Now, keep in mind, 50 acres of land is equivalent to 50 football fields, right? An acre would be the size of a football field. So think of you getting awarded 50 football fields, the size land to do whatever you want with it, to plant and farm and all this stuff. And all you had to do was kidnap somebody's kid. People were kidnapping their own kids and shipping them over here to America. See, when it first started, there were... A lot of ships coming to America, but they was not coming from Africa. That's the farce that they tell us. Many of these ships that, that came from England to America had thousands of children on there. And as I said, America is the only country 800,000 people go missing yearly, never to be seen again. Only in this country. Where the fuck are these people? Why don't you ever see them again? But then it all ties to organ harvesting, child sex trafficking, the stuff we don't want to talk about, that we see in movies and we cringe, but like, this shit really taking place, because remember, the elite of the time that had the bag, that had the money, this this the kind of shit they was partaking in, and guess what, the elite, the people that got the money today, you think they stopped their habits, or you think they still giving it up the way they was giving it up in the 1600s, big facts, so now, it will be also noted that the kidnappers worked in gangs. He, he was got among a gang of kidnappers. This is a person giving an account. As they were, they called being a sort of wicked uh, followers that us to spirit people's children away. That's what they called it. Before they called it kidnapping, they called it spiriting you away. They stole your spirit and shipped your spirit to the new world. So you'll be spirited away. So the spirited people's children away that it is to snatch them up in the dark and stopping their mouths and carrying them to such houses where they had rogues ready to receive them. So carry them on board ships bound to Virginia and sell them a child stealer, a stealer of children. So that's where the whole concept kidnapper comes from. So what they saying, they had like a, Think of like, the, remember the Underground Railroad system where you had, you know, different houses that you can go to to hide out along the path to get you to where you're going? Well, they had that same concept for kidnapping. So, which means prominent people would hide these stolen kids in their houses until the ship came. So, let's say somebody kidnapped your kid. You go to them, yo, my kid's missing. I can't find him. Oh, word, your kid missing? Sorry to hear that. You might be talking to somebody that's a teacher or, you know, a, a worker of the time and the kid is hit, is hidden out in, in the basement of, the, of their house. They don't even tell you that somebody kidnapped your kid and stole them away in your house. And they get a cut of the money when, you know, the ship comes and they put the kid on the ship. So they were paying people to hide these kidnapped kids until they could put them on the ship and ship them to America to work as slaves in the colonies powerful stuff so we're reviewing a book for the book review they were white slaves they were white 
and they were slaves. The Untold History of the Enslavement of Whites in Early America by Michael A. Hoffman II. So we got to give reference, you know, we got to give reference because people will, will hear these stories and they will say, man, nah, that, don't, that don't make no sense. Why haven't they made any movies about this white slavery? Well, early on in uh, the early 1900s, they had some movies all the way up to silent movies where they had the Barbary slave trade movies and they would show these Barbary pirates looking like these uh, fake Arabs, but they, in fact, were Africans, they were Moors, but they can't show you the image that so-called black people was enslaving these so-called whites. Oh, and they was trying to get payback. And that's what this whole perpetrating this 400 year you were a slave story. Right. This is where it's rooted. It's rooted in that animosity that they never got over. The fact that many of them were slaves before they were given this status called white because their skin isn't actually white and your skin isn't actually black. These are both statuses. So now white denoted to a property owner that had the right to vote and black denoted to your rights being civilitaire mortuus. Civilitaire mortuus is a Latin term, legal term, which means your rights are civilly dead in the eyes of the law. How do we prove that? You're in the street still screaming black life matters when no other nationality is screaming that their life matters. Because if you kill someone of their nationality, it's a crime. It's murder. It's not we got to see the tape. What did he do? Well, did he raise up at the officer? Did the officer fear for his life? None of that shit comes into play with any other nationality but the people that are classified as Negro blacks and colors. But that's not your identity. Never was and, and never can be. But getting back to this, the death of two human brooms. Poor white children were a very expendable commodity in the Georgian and Victorian England. Poor white children were a very expendable commodity. You don't say. In Victorian England, as this period, print of an actual chimney sweeping incident illustrates. Enslaved to a master of chimney sweepers, of chimney sweeps from, a, from as young as the age of four. White boys were forced to climb inside suffocating and cramped fuse and clean them. They received no pay, begged their food, and slept in cellars. Many died from accidents, beatings, and cancer brought on from constant contact with ash and cinder, which they had no opportunity to wash from their skin. Now, listen to what they just said. You ever heard of a chimney sweeper? Now, anybody that has a chimney today, you have a device, you have a contraption, you have something to sweep and clean your chimney. But could you imagine they kidnapped these little white kids and they had little kids younger as the age of four climbing up the chimney to clean the chimney. Now, we're talking about today, if somebody was to do that, you would need a mask, you would need all kind of stuff to protect your health. But nah, get up there, little nigga. Four-year-old kids, they had sweeping the chimney and many of them died. Accidents fell down the chimney. Many of them died from cancer, from breathing in the soot and the cinder and all this stuff. But this was the mindset of the so-called elite. So those who had the bag of the times, they'll, they'll, they'll pay for a few little white slaves that was kidnapped. Hey, little white boy, clean my chimney. You know what I'm saying? They was the, the rich at the time. They wasn't gonna clean their own chimney. So, hey, send somebody else's kid up there. He's my property. 
See, their mindset never changed because they treated their own people this way. See, we all keep looking at like, why did they have a heart and how could they be so brutal? You know, when we hear the stories of the enslavement of our people, when this is how they always gave it up. This is how they enslaved their own people. They ain't give a fuck. Like, you know what I'm saying? Hey, little nigga, you, you four? Oh, sorry to hear about that. Oh, you hungry? Sorry to hear about that. Clean my chimney. And they didn't get paid. So they are rooted in the concept of we amass all these profits because we we support free labor. This is why they have the sweatshops. And, you know, we, we frown upon China for the sweatshops when America got some of the most hidden sweatshops that we never talk about. There was a documentary some years ago about the Nike sweatshops. You think that changed? You, you think it's like, oh, my God, they, they cleaned up. Nah, they put out a documentary, got a nice PR spin, and it's still business as usual. In fact, as of 2023, the numbers of a million so-called migrants who rushed the border are mysteriously illegally in the country and are being allowed to set up shop. They're trying to pass a law to give them rights to have illegals to vote. Legals can get a driver's license. Why are they implementing this? Because they want to get their profits back. They want to amass their capitalism plan. And how do you do that? How do you amass a large wealth of profit? You get free labor. Super goddamn cheap labor. So this whole country is rooted in that idea. And they never got off of it. She go all through New York City. You're going to see the, the workers in the back of the house. Ain't none of them niggas got papers. You know what I'm saying? They all undocumented. They don't want to talk about those ugly hills, but this is why they're allowing all these people into the country. In fact, New York City, the governor has found money, $4 billion, to now give these illegals $1,000 a month. They're giving them stipends, and they're illegally in the country. But everybody frowned upon Trump when he was talking about build the wall and all this to stop the shit. See, I'm not voting for or against any of these damn politicians. What I am saying is... Trump was putting their shit into the street. See, a lot of people got up in their arms and said, oh man, you support Trump? When I said, yo, listen, when so-called white people are angry at each other, they start throwing each other's shit in the street. So I just said to people, listen to what Trump is saying because he's not a part of any of these parties. And this nigga went straight to the White House. So what he was doing was telling all their business. And I was just telling our people, just pay attention. Just, just give an ear to what he's saying. And fast forward. Everything that he said played out, but nobody's saying anything about the current so-called president now. He could do no wrong when everything's rampant, crime is like up 80%, all kind of shit, and everybody cool with it. Because most of the people don't give a fuck. They just want the illusion of, hey, don't ruffle nobody's feathers now, don't cause no trouble. Everybody be cool. But let's get back to this. But I had to qualify the paralleling of the times to show you that the mindset of old is the same mindset of today, dealing with these people. Getting back to these so-called uh, white slave chimney sweepers. Goddamn, four years old. White boys were forced to climb inside suffocating and cramped shoes and clean them. They received no pay, begged their food, and slept in cellars. Many died from accidents, beatings, and cancer brought on from constant contact with ash and cinder, which they had no opportunity to wash from their faces. <laughs> I guess that's the first concept of uh, blackface, huh? <laughs> the, the white slave chimney sweepers, they, they, they were in blackface because they couldn't wash the soot off. Man, all right, uh, in, the, 
in the illustri illustration above, two climbing boys have been crushed and suffocated after the collapse of the chimney masonry. The man uh, on the right with the pick is a builder who has been summoned to extricate the children. One lies dead on the floor, bottom left, mourned perhaps by a servant of the house since these white slaves were almost all orphans or the kidnapped children of paupers. The other boy remained stuck in the flue. His master is attempting to pull him from the rubble by his foot and leg as the lady of the house looks on. It's crazy. So they're, they're, uh, they're talking about this illustration in the book. And if you guys can picture it, picture this guy, you know, pulling this kid out like five years old by his legs because he's stuck in the chimney. And there's another kid on the floor dead. White slavery. Mm, you don't say. Goes on. Thousands of white children slaved as sweeps, chimney sweeps. The British House of Lords repeatedly refused to outlaw the use of white children under the age of 10 or reform the trade in any way. The Lords contended that to do so would interfere with property rights. See, they always had that concept of if I paid a couple dollars for you for your labor, you're my property. And people were treated like robots and they didn't care about the conditions you found yourself under. It was get the work done. And today you find that still in, you know, these factories and all of these people going on strike and Amazon and these unions and and, you know, the, the companies frowning upon people uh, organizing unions because they just maximize profit and they treat people like robots. You know, how much work can you do in five minutes? You know, everything is automated and they kind of want the human population to be working like AI, right? A childhood in the factory, right? And, and keep in mind, because we're not just talking about the old times, right? All the way up to the 1920s, close to the 1930s, they had child labor in America. They had kids five, six years old working in the factories, you heard? Working in coal mines. This was the policy of America. This is long after so-called slavery. This is in the 1900s. So this is how they give it up. This is how they always gave it up. The British and American factory system of the Industrial Revolution was staffed mainly by enslaved, indentured white children who were forced to work as children had never worked before. 16 hours a day locked into a building without breaks except to go to the necessary right and necessary is the bathroom right food was taken standing up while tending the primitive machinery which mutilated tens of thousands of children for falling asleep or talking white girls and boys were beaten with a lever strap or a billy roller a murderous iron bar Damn, able to beat the kids with, <laughs> with a leather belt and an iron bar. And they had to eat standing up. What you mean lunch break, my nigga? You better eat right at your station. 16-hour days, this was for children. So all the people, I worked three jobs to provide for my babies. Well, your babies was working 16-hour shifts. This is crazy. The, the photography above is of American girls who worked a 17-hour week 
at a factory in South Carolina in the early 1900s. I wish you guys could see this picture. These kids look like they about 50 years old in the face. Clothes tattered and ragged up. They was working 16 hour shifts. They like 10 years old. And maybe that's why their kids come out looking like senior citizens, right? So-called white people have babies. The babies come out with glasses and <laughs> the babies come out looking like they senior citizens. Like, damn, your kid's an AARP member and shit. He ain't even one. Man, this is, I see how those genes have been taxed, but they show an Alabama sharecropper in 1936. See, keep in mind, that whole uh, concept of the, the hillbilly and all that stuff, these were real people. See, if you were if you were not a landowner, you didn't own property, you didn't have the right to vote, i.e. you weren't white. So they were racist among their own people because they had classes of white. So you could be white, but not white white. What am I talking about? You could be white, but not white white. The hard scrabble life of rural Americans, many of them descendants of white slaves. See, a lot of these so-called whites, they don't know their history before the 1800s. Many of them hid their history. So they, you know, got these land grab, land grab grants, these farming subsidies later in the times. So it looked like their family always came from money. But that's the illusion, the illusion of the middle class and all that. When 52% of the so-called white population is below the poverty level. That's right now today. They won't tell you that. And it appears like our people are more poor than them And when, when, when it's all propaganda. So they're saying that many of them are descendants of white slaves that has been made a subject of comedy, scorn, dismissal, and denial. See, many of them deny, that, deny their past. They were called rednecks, crackers, and white trash. See, all of these terms are deemed derogatory today because it reminds these so-called whites of a reference point of a history that they don't want to remember. A history that they swept under the rug and, and traded places with you and say you was the slave forever and we always had money. We always had the bag. We always was up. Not so, my G. So that term redneck denotes to a class of you white but you ain't white white. You a nigga. I.E. See what I'm saying? Because you could be a white nigga too. The, the whole term of the, the hillbillies and the rednecks and white trash. In fact, they, they, they referred to the president, Lyndon uh, Baines Johnson, as white trash. They referred to Elvis as white trash. Listen to the podcast earlier in the series. I review a book called White Trash. We can't make this up. The term cracker comes from, because many of our people, we push, you know, we want to still be in the victim mentality. We think the term cracker comes from you know, the slave master, the cracking of the whip. That's why we call them the cracker. Not so, my G. Cracker comes from poor, landless whites that actually had cracker carts. This originated in Florida. They had cracker carts and they actually sold crackers. That was their livelihood. They had cracker carts with all their belongings on the shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> on some homestead shit. Going from place to place. They were vagabonds. Homeless and they would sell crackers, hence the term crackers. So when a so-called white calls somebody a redneck, he's a cracker, he's white trash, he's trailer park trash, they're saying, you white, but you ain't white white. Your family don't come from money. You a nigga. See, they, 
they practice this racism all throughout their bloodline because they hate their origin, they hate their identity, and they never want to remind you of their enslavement. That's why they make millions of dollars off of showing you slave movies of your enslavement, but they'll never talk about theirs. And that's where their, their hatred is rooted because even after our slavery, we still prosper. Even after all this oppression, we still get it popping and make shit happen. We just lack the unity as a people. So we might do a little better individually, but as a nation of people, we still ain't got that unity thing right. And that's, that's what they fear. They fear us. When we had that unity, we had Black Wall Street, we had Rosewood, we had hundreds of other cities where we were self-sufficient. Many of these cities, these angry whites that came from white slavery, they burnt these towns to the ground. Black Wall Street, they burnt the entire town down to the ground in 24 hours. Now that should have been an act of terrorism on American soil. Nope, just the cost of doing business. And I quote from some of the news reporters of the times during the Black Wall Street, you know, riots and, you know, the angry white mobs, they were running into our houses and businesses and they said, these niggers live better than us. This is a quote from a so-called white woman running out of a sister's house, carrying her fur coat and her pearls. Right, we had the bag in the 20s. See what I'm saying? They want you to think that you always came from poverty and these people always was up. Not so. Salute to literary works like this that give you the real accounts. That's why we got to start looking for the truth. We can't take this shit at face value. Whatever I show you in the movie, it is what it is. But if I give you a book with reference points where you can go back and cross-reference what I'm saying, now you're not following me. You're following the truth. Follow the truth wherever it may lead you. Right? I'm not looking for followers. I'm looking for leaders leading themselves to the truth. The sharecroppers, excuse me, let me go back. They are called rednecks, crackers, and white trash. Their history has been suppressed. Their heritage and way of life condemned. The sharecropper's picture above was not allowed to grow so much as a patch of vegetable garden for his family's needs. On the land he worked for the Marigrave brothers, leased it, take away even a few hundred square feet from the cotton he cultivated and picked on their behalf. You don't say these white slaves was picking cotton? See, they downplay the terms. They'll tell you in history they were indentured servants. Slaves, they tell you they were sharecroppers. Slaves, because even after slavery, right, this is how a lot of our people, they duped us into these indentured servant contracts, meaning after you were free from slavery, these poor whites and so-called poor blacks, because the Emancipation Proclamation, this is the biggest farce in history. Everyone, you know, pimps this shit off in all the, all the schools and the, the curriculums, and they say, well, Lincoln freed the slaves. Bullshit, my G. Lincoln's stance was, I'm trying to protect the Union. I don't give a fuck how I do it. If I gotta free slaves to do it, cool. If I can protect the Union without freeing slaves and keep slavery going, cool. He was about trying to protect everybody's interests that had the bag. And he tried to play both sides and he got a bullet because he was swarthy. Look up the word swarthy because it just means you were mixed. He was a mulatto. See, the older pictures of Lincoln, the brother is very dark complected. See, they show you these whitewashed images. That's not really him. 
Africanus, right? They put out a book called him Africanus. And on the cover of the book, they had him dressed like an African. They were making fun of him, like satire. So he got a bullet, right? Because, and they put him on a penny, right? A penny, right? Now, if you put a penny to your skin, copper color. Webster's Merriam Dictionary, 1878, the definition for American, the copper colored races here before Columbus arrived later changed to the descendants of Europeans. And that definition of American has since changed generationally. But if you study etymology, the inception of a word, they can't hide the truth. It's there. You want to hide something from these niggas, you put it in the book. But, you know, books and bud, that's my thing. Books and bud. <laughs> Higher learning, if you will. <laughs> that's my thing. Right? I was the only kid on the block, you know what I'm saying, with a book in my hand, right? Getting to it, but still had a book because I understood that this is what frees you, right? The truth shall set you free. So you have to find yourself some kind of truth to grab hold to in these times because the veil has been lifted. All of the illusions are on center stage. Either you are part of the illusion or you are part of uncovering the illusion. Can't serve two masters. Irish slaves. Let's talk about these Irish slaves. They all know their history and they all hide it. But my thing is not to poke fun at the story. I'm just saying if many of these people generationally been through similar treatment that our that our people went through, how could you not have compassion or how could you not understand why we saying when the fuck we going to get the reparations? When y'all going to make this right? And we went over that concept of the 40 acres and a mule and how they duped us and the 40 acres and a mule went to so-called poor whites that were enslaved. And then they end up being the class, the so-called middle class that had the bag. And it, it looked like historically that these people aren't your people. When 90% of these so-called whites were poor and they couldn't buy a slave of any damn color. That was the biggest fraud they, they, they pushed in all the schools. Irish slaves, Cromwell's conquest of Ireland in the middle of the 17th century made slaves as well as subjects of the Irish people. Over 100,000 men, women, and children were seized by English troops and shipped to the West Indies. See, they don't want to tell you that. The West Indies, right? They shipped them to the islands. Many of them were working on the islands, Barbados, sugar plantations, Trinidad. They don't want to tell you about their history, but it's all there. They were shipped to the West Indies, where they were sold into slavery in colonial America, America's revolutionary heritage, page 142. We're giving reference here. On September 11th, 1655, came the following decree from the Puritan Protectorate by Henry Cromwell in London concerning the young Irish woman, although we must use force in and taking them up, yet it being benign so much for their own good and likely to be of so great advantage of the public. It is not in the least doubted that you may have such number of them as you think fit to make use upon this account. The account was enslavement and transportation to the colonies. A week later, Henry Cromwell ordered 1,500 Irish boys aged 12 to 14 also be shipped into slavery with the Irish girls in the steaming tropics of Jamaica and Barbados. 
and circumstances which killed off white adult slaves by the thousands due to the rigor the rigors of field work in that climate and the savage brutality of their overseers they couldn't hack it many of these so-called whites died in jamaica and barbados working the sugar plantations and the hot climate they couldn't take it their skin was used to cold climates right many of them came from the caves this is why they show you We'll, we'll digress on that later. The the, the origin of, Car of Caucasian. Let's put a pin in that. We'll get back to that. Goes on to say, a week after Henry, right, the 1500 Irish boys, right, they sent them to Jamaica and Barbados and the circumstances were, were which killed off whites, adults, by the thousands due to the rigorous field work in their climate and the savage brutality of their overseers. So they would whip these white slaves. In October, the Council of State approved the plan. Altogether, more than 100,000 Irish were shipped to the West Indies, where they died in slavery in horrible conditions. Children weren't the only victims. Even 80-year-old Irish women, man, they said, yo, oh, you 80? Get your ass out there and pick that cotton. Even 80-year-old Irish women were deported to the West Indies and enslaved. The Curse of Cromwell, a history of the Ironside Conquest of Ireland, of Ireland, 1649, page 53. You get them references up, you heard? Irish religious leaders were, were, were herded into internment camps throughout Ireland and were then moved progressively to the ports of shipment overseas like cattle. By the time Cromwell's men had finished with the Irish people, only one-sixth of the Irish population remained on their lands. Cromwell did not only enslave Catholics, poor white Protestants on the English mainland fared no better. In February 1656, he ordered his soldiers to fine 1,200 poor English women. Fine, so we saying kidnap them fine 1,200 poor English women for enslavement and deportation to the colonies. In March, he repeated the order but increased the quota to 2,000 young women of England. In the same year, Cromwell's Council of State ordered all the homeless poor of Scotland, male and female, transported to Jamaica for enslavement. Man, this, this gets very interesting, guys. So, a lot of this history that they hide, they never want to tell you of their background. And believe it or not, many of the families hid this from their descendants. See, your great-great-grandma is not going to tell you she was a white slave in Barbados and Jamaica, right? She might have the big house. So today it looks like, you know, your family passed down generational wealth when many of these so-called whites got the handouts. But let's go back to what I was saying about the farce of the Emancipation Proclamation. Everyone keeps saying, Lincoln freed the slaves, the Emancipation Proclamation. Well, the proclamation was just that. A proclamation was a public announcement. There was no actual law. But the actual proclamation goes, free all such persons held in bondage. Well, why didn't it say, free all niggas from Africa that we kidnapped? Because that was a lie. It doesn't even mention, free all black people. It says, free all such 
persons held in bondage because the Emancipation Proclamation freed these poor whites from their indentured servitude contracts. See what's going on? And they start to clean them up and give them a new status separate unto yours. And then they all started to perpetrate that we were never slaves and these niggas was always slaves. And then they kept reinforcing that by showing you all these slave movies. The biggest slave movie that they showed us was what? Roots. Alex Haley's Roots. Well, did you know that Alex Haley died broke? He plagiarized the entire fucking story. So now NBC, ABC, CBS, whatever network at the time that showed that series, that was the first of its kind. The first uh, made-for-TV miniseries, right? This is way before Netflix. The first made-for-TV miniseries, and they spent $25 million to tell us, you niggas were slaves and Kunta Kente and Roots and all that bullshit. It was all propaganda. The entire story was plagiarized. No such thing as a Kunta Kente, any of these fake African niggas telling you this shit, any of these fake black scholars telling you this, they're misinformed. The whole story was made up. So why would a, a TV network spend $25 million? And keep in mind, they still show Roots on TV, still to this day. Still the longest running miniseries that they show yearly. Why did they push that so hard in our community? To hide their past. Interesting stuff, guys. Interesting stuff. Let's continue on here. Of course, Cromwell and the Puritan ruling class were not the only ones involved in the enslavement of whites. During the restoration reign of King Charles II, the monarch with Catholic sympathizers who had been Cromwell's arch enemy, the king enslaved large groups of poor uh, Presbyterians and Scottish uh, Covenanters and deported them to the plantations in turn, the Irish, the Scots. Brits, they enslaved all these people. See, it was about human labor. They was not paying attention to nobody's skin. That was perpetrated later. As I as I mentioned earlier in the series, that, that didn't start to become widespread propaganda until after Bacon's Rebellion. Bacon's Rebellion, when there were so-called poor whites and poor black slaves that was raising up against the aristocratic elite, the large plantation owners that was making money off of human labor, period, so it wasn't a skin color issue. They made it a divide and conquer thing so the elite could rule over everyone. See, that's always been their tactic. Put people in little clubs and groups and raise one group over the other and we can sleep good at night. Interesting. Legislation sponsored by King Charles II in 1686 intended to ensure the enslavement of Protestant rebels in the Caribbean, the Caribbean colonies, was so harsh that one observer noted the condition of those rebels was by this act made as bad, if not worse than the Negroes. <laughs> they said they was treating the white slaves worse than the so-called Negroes in Barbados. You know what I'm saying? But you understand that many of our people could work the lands because this was our land. See what's going on? We could we could take the hot climate because we were used to the climate. See what's going on? They didn't transfer you from no damn land. You are indigenous to all the lands. That's why the Nile River connects to the Mississippi River. 
we were going back and forth doing trade from continent to continent for thousands of years before these pale skins showed up. Pay attention. You always been home. You ain't never left. Many of them were being kidnapped and shipped to this land. So how the hell did they go to Africa and kidnap some people and come here with people when it was people already here? But that's the, the, the farce they tell again, that they wiped out the so-called Indian population. When these later mixed Mongolian tribes that perpetrated as the Native Americans, as the first people, they were not the first people. That's why it's two terms, the American Indian and the Native American, two different class of people. So they made a deal with these later tribes and gave these niggas reservations and all that to pimp off the, the fraud of being the first people of the land. But the oldest skeleton they found here, a woman they call Naya, which is older than the Lucy skeleton they found, millions of years old, a melanated woman, millions of years old, that predates any of these so-called Indian tribes because you were the first Indian. American Indian. Then they changed it and start calling you an Afro-American, then a colored American, then a Negro American, and now you an African American. Two different damn continents and no allegiance to either one. That's the hustle to play you out of the inheritance of you being the indigenous people of this land, of all the lands. They owe you a whole lot more than 40 acres in a mule. They owe you the entire continent. Wake up, my people. Wake up. And that's the conversation they never want to have with us. Gosh, you keep looking over there at Africa. 52 nations in Africa. Which one they took you from? 2023. Why don't you know? <laughs> why haven't they told you in school? Right. Because they're hiding the past of their enslavement. They can't tell you that they, they, they didn't come from real money. <laughs> they got their money in the 20th century. They can't tell you that. That's why they discriminate against their own people. Because you could be white, but not white, white. That's why they had rednecks and crackers and scallywags and all, all this white trash. All this shit is just different tiers of the white system. They know who came from money and they know who just got cleaned up yesterday. Interesting. By far, the largest number and certainly the most important groups of white indentured servants were the poor Protestants from Europe. See, all those slave ships and, and, and some of the, the brothers that, that would read the Bible and they, they would read it backwards and they would say, man, they came in ships. See, that's talking about us coming from Africa to be enslaved. Nope. These whites came in ships. <laughs> Hundreds of ships came from Europe and dropped off kids that they kidnapped. In fact, the first ships had thousands of kids. All the way up to the 1920s in America, they had child labor. You can't hide this. They had kids 10 years old working in factories. Five-year-old kids being chimney sweepers, catching cancer, dying. Can't make this up. Legal basis and definition. In the late 16th century, the English parliament empowered magistrates to enslave the British poor. Beyond the seas, in 1615, James I gave similar authorization. The operation was formalized with the passage of the Transportation Act of 1718. I want you guys to look that up because I don't want you to just listen, get your, get your pen and paper, but I want you to cross-reference everything I'm putting down because that's how we get to the truth, right? I ain't looking for followers. I'm looking for leaders leading themselves to the truth. So look that up, the Transportation Act of 1718. 
This was dealing with white slaves. The preamble of which declared that its purpose was both to deter criminals and to supply the colonies with labor. Since in many of his majesty's colonies and plantations in America, there is a great want of servants. One of the earliest advocates of the enslavement of indigent, of indigenous whites for labor in Nova Britannia was the uh, Elizabethan preacher and geo geographer Richard Heiko, who advised the crown that poor whites should be condemned for certain years in the western parts of the New World where they would be raised again and do their country good service by performing such useful chores as fellowing timber, mining, precious minerals, and raising sugarcane. So keep in mind, they emptied their jails in England with all of their criminals, put these niggas on the ship, sent them to America, emptied their streets of all the poor. This is how they was cleaning up their country. This is why the term white trash applies to the white slaves in America, because they referred to America as Britain's toilet. This is where we send our trash. This is where we send our rubbish. Henceforth, the term white trash. Call one of these so-called whites white trash. They're going to have a flashback because that shit's in their DNA that this is their history. They ain't gonna make it, oh, my family was on the stock market and they amassed this wealth and they were computer programmers and all that shit that they, you know, put on their resume today. But if you dig back to the 1800s, all of them are descendants of white slaves. That's what they hide in. Less than 1% of these so-called whites could actually own property and become a so-called slave master. Most of the elite families were the ones who really perpetrated the, the slavery. They had these companies, the Virginia Tobacco Company, the East Indian Company. These were companies that leased out human labor and they kidnapped people from all across different lands. They kidnapped people that lived on their own land in America. They didn't kidnap you from Africa. They didn't steal you from a land. They stole the land from you. Heiko was among the first to label the new British poor criminals and to urge their utilization as slave laborers in America, a process which would later become known under the euphemism transportation. <laughs> they say, yo, you're getting transported. <laughs> they shipping you to the colonies. Confronted with the labor shortage, typically in early America, the colony of New York petitioned for white slaves from England in 1693. So wait a minute, they had all these white slaves the same time they said they've been going to Africa, stealing us to make us slaves here in America. It makes no sense. Financially, it's impossible. Go back to my series on the podcast where I review a book called Columbus's Quest to Find Jerusalem. And when Columbus got his funding from the Queen, in fact, Columbus never stepped foot on American soil. He died before he got here. He made it far as South America. His son Diego later went on to the North America. But as Columbus describes, these people he's seen here, they have very dark skin. 
not these fake Indians they show you in Hollywood movies. And this is coming from the accounts of Columbus's diary. See, they always got to give you a, a, a bad guy, somebody to put, and everybody, you know, let's rip down Columbus's statue. I ain't saying praise the nigga, but I'm telling you that they made him the fall guy for a lot of these families that end up running these American corporations today. Chase, J.P. Morgan, Life Insurance Company, all of these companies, they got that real bag. That's what they're hiding, guys. They always gonna give you the boogeyman. They always gonna get, right? They gonna give you the Hitler, the this or that. When, if you really studied Hitler's story, he's not as evil as you wanna believe. Oh, shit, here we go. Time to click off. This nigga said he with Kanye. He's saying Hitler's not evil. I'm telling you to research that real story. Because many of the so-called Jewish bankers, they pledged their people into that Holocaust situation. Many of the Jewish banks got paid after all of these families got wiped out. That's how a lot of these Jewish bankers amassed their wealth. That's how a lot of these Jewish uh, jewelry store owners amassed their wealth. They kept a lot of their own people's shit. They don't want to tell you about that ugly stuff. And even after the, the Holocaust, there was only up to 2 million Jews that were saying their families were part of the Holocaust. But once the money started coming out, some 19 million people all said that they were descendants of the Holocaust. But I don't want to talk about that. Right. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> right. Put a pin in that. Confronted with labor shortage, typically in American the, in America, the colony of New York petitioned for white slaves from England in 1693. The Quakers of Philadelphia also sought them. There were four categories of status for white people. You don't say. Four different categories. There were four categories of status for white people in colonial America. White freemen. White freemen who owned property. White apprentices, also called indentured servants. Re, uh, rede redemptioners and free willers and white slaves. These were the different classes of white. So you could be an apprentice where basically someone pledged your labor, you were contracted for like seven years, 10 years, remember the movie, 11 years a slave, 12 years a slave, all that shit? That was indentured servitude. They were trying to show you the differences. And it later became uh, generational chattel slavery for our people later down the line. But when it all started, they didn't give a damn what your skin color was. They wanted labor. The elite was trying to trying to secure the bag. The, the attempt by Abbott, Emerson Smith, uh, Galison, and many others to deny the existence and brutal treatment of white slaves by pretending they were mostly just indentured servants learning to trade. See, like, oh, man, we just in trade school. Nah, my nigga, you in white slavery. <laughs> nah, I'm in a trade school. You know, I'm learning to be a blacksmith. And, you know, they're going to give me some land. And many of them promised to allocate land to these so-called whites after the end of their contract. And then they would extend their contract. And many of them died and never got compensated the land that they were promised. See, these people always been reneging because they wouldn't keep their word with their own people. That's why they'll never keep their word with us. They won't even have a conversation about reparations. You don't know the treatment we've been through. You don't say. Well, look at what you've been through. Oh, you don't want to talk about that. You just can't seem to figure out. But yet, they make all these 
astonishing slave movies that keep depicting this time of slavery. So how you don't know what we're talking about if you keep showing us this what we've been through. Right. Make it make sense. <laughs> Funny shit. But brutal treatment of white slaves by pretending they were mostly just indentured servants, learning a trade, regulated according to uh, vulnerability. Uh, medieval guild traditions of apprenticeship runs completely counter to the documentary record, the documentary record. The planters did not conceive of their white servants socially and emotionally as integral parts of the family or household, but instead viewed them as an alien commodity, having abandoned the moral responsibility aspect of pre-capitalist ideology. Masters enforced an often violent social denomination of white servants by the manipulation of oppressed legal codes, transforming indentured servitude with its pre-industrial moral paternalistic superstructure with superstructure into a market system of brutal servitude, maintained by systematic application of legal sanctions forced and violence. Immoral British and colonial custom validated the kidnapping of working class British whites and their enslavement in the colonies under such euphemisms as servitude, according to the customs which upheld the force of verbal contracts, which shipmasters and pre-gangs, excuse me, and press gangs claimed existed between them and the wretched whites they kidnapped off the streets of England. So what they're saying, you could have been a working class white in England and somebody kidnapped you and your whole damn family. And they put you onto a ship and it would be a lawman, it would be a judge to say, yep, that person did make a contract with said white person to go to America and be his slave. Now, they had no proof of the contract. They didn't have to show it. They just had all the, conspired, the conspirators to say, yep, that person's my white slave. And it was as so. Because many of the, you know, of course we know the, the law system is all corrupt. So the judges would get paid off, right? Now, if you had something called the head right system, if I put you on a ship to and ship you to America, I'm promised 50 acres of land. You don't think that would entice some of the judges to say, yeah, that person has a contract. Because the judge would get 10 acre kickback, 20 acres, stuff like that. Interesting, man. Which shipmasters and press gangs claimed existed between them and the wretched whites they kidnapped off the streets of England and sold into colonial slavery. These justifications for white slavery arose in law determined by penal codes. In other words, white slavery was permitted and perpetrated on the claim that all who were thus enslaved were criminals. See? So they could kidnap you and just say, yo, he's a criminal. This nigga's my slave. You might have been a hard-working person, decent person of the community. But once they labeled you as their slave, now you're a criminal, you're a throwaway. Useless to society. White slavery was uh, permitted and perpetrated on the claims that all who were thus enslaved were criminals. No proof for this claim was needed. Because the fact of one's enslavement proved the fact of one's criminality. 
The history of white slavery in the New World can be found within the history of the enforcement of the penal codes in Britain and in America. See, also, they, they did the same shit on our people, right? Many of our people were free on the land. They would kidnap free people and doctored up contracts and say, that's my slave. This, this happened even after slavery ended. They would still kidnap our people and put them back into contracts. Convicts, once in America, encountered widespread exploitation. Tobacco planters felt few qualms about putting freeborn Englishmen to hard labor, or, if need be, shackling them in chains. Neither the status of convicts as servants nor their living conditions were altogether different from those of slaves, and opportunists and opportunities for achieving a settled, a settled social life arguably worse. Disdain that Englishmen should be slaves on English land, a correspondent in the Gentleman's Magazine pointed out, and rather chose America for the theater of our shame. The claim of this aristocracy that these convicts were mainly dangerous criminals and felons guilty of heinous crimes was largely a function of the propaganda that, it, that attended the enterprise of white slavery in the early American era. The great bulk of offenses were committed not by professional thieves, but by the needy poor. Due to what one witnessed, the clergy, the clergyman Francis Hare described as the extreme misery and poverty, great numbers are reduced. So a lot of people were just poor and they might have stole some food. That nigga's a criminal. He's my white slave. And they would <laughs> throw you into a contract and somebody would pledge your labor. Crazy. Slaves were made of poor white criminals who had poached a deer, stolen a loaf of bread, or had been convicted of destroying shrubbery in an aristocratic's garden. In 1655, Four teenagers were shipped, excuse me, four teenagers were whipped through the streets of Edinburgh, Scotland, burned behind the ears and Barbados into slavery in the colonies for interrupting a minister, James Scott, while he was preaching in church. God damn. You interrupted the preacher. They Barbados you. This this is a term, family. When they Barbados you. They would kidnap you as a white slave, put you on a ship, and ship you to work on the sugar plantations in Barbados. That's what it means to be Barbados. Goddamn. So we're learning something today, guys. Barbados. We learned the original term of kidnapping and spirited. Spirited away. They would ship your ass to America to be a white slave. That was the first inception of kidnapping. That's where the word comes from itself. This is powerful shit. Under British law in the 17th and 18th century, felonies punishable by death included stealing or vandalizing gates. Damn. Fruits. Uh, canal uh, banks. 
and hot binds. You stole some food. That shit was punishable by death. We put you on a ship, pledged your labor for life. And somebody got paid off of you. See, they was creating propaganda. Basically, they were just pointing out people to enslave. That nigga's a criminal. Oh, he's poor. He might commit a crime because he ain't got no money. Well, let's ship him to America so we can make some money. Nerve of these people. Other capital crimes included breaking down the head of a fish pond, whereby fish may be lost, cutting down trees in an avenue or garden, sending threaten, threatening letters, selling cotton with forged stamps, or committing a scarlage. Crimes punishable by transportation into slave labor in America included stealing ore from lead mines, fishing in enclosed ponds, bigamy, and uh, solemnizing a marriage in secret. Damn, son, you got married without somebody's approval? That's a crime. They're shipping you into slavery. You stole some fish from a pond? That's a crime. We're shipping you into slavery. Oh, you're selling cotton without our official tax stamp? We're shipping you into slavery. A felon was a pregnant, starving woman who stole a bowl of soup. A 12-year-old boy who had been who had pickpocketed someone's pocket or a young father like Thomas Atwood with a wife, child and mother to support sentenced to slavery in America because he had stolen a sheep to satisfy the cries of his family for bread at a time when he had it not to give them. They would be separated from their parents, children of spouses and transported, right, shipped, kidnapped, shipped into slavery, transported to the colonies often for life. Catherine Davis, a pregnant seamstress, was convicted in London in a London court of stealing seven yards of lace. She was separated from her husband, sentenced to slavery, and placed aboard the convict ship called the Forward. She gave birth on board. Her baby was dead within two weeks. Its mother bound for Maryland. Awaiting the slave ship in a Cambridge, England jail, the convict, Mary Featherstone, charged with theft, gave birth to a baby boy. He was taken from her and she was transported to slavery in His Majesty's plantation in America. And of course, that baby was sold into slavery too. Laboring men often suffered abusive treatment in the colonies, but transported felonies made especially easy. Now, now, here. One second, guys. I just got this epiphany from the creator. The reason why they keep making all these slave movies, they're trying to live vicariously through the screen, right? Because remember, they're tapping back into a time when this shit was happening to them. So they could just say, yo, this is happening to niggas. So they feel better. So it props them up with this fake white status to make it feel like they are superior. Because if, why do you have to, have cops shooting us in the streets. We still got, you know, dilapidated conditions in the communities. We never got the 40 acres in a mule. All of these destitute conditions you keep putting on our people and we still prosper. They like, God damn, they still making it happen. So they have to keep leaving you uh, suspended in this time period that you guys were slaves and we were so good and we were so up and we had the bag. But even on the big screen, they're depicting what really happened to them that's in their lineage. Because as I said, many of these so-called whites don't know their history before the 1800s. 
many of our people, most of our people don't even know their great-grandparents. Couldn't tell you, right? And, and, and all this stuff is by design to cut you off from your tree. Interesting, man. Laboring men often suffered abusive treatment in the colonies, but transported felony, excuse me, transported felons made especially easy prey, marked with the stamp of infamy, worse than Negroes. In fact, was the verdict of a Jamaican governor, many convicts were already viewed in much the same way as slaves. Convict servants toiled under debased conditions not altogether different from black slavery so keep in mind remember the, the the images they show us in the movie of the chain gang and all that a lot of those chain gangs they stole these people they kidnapped these people they just mentioned you 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 was a criminal in fact after slavery ended remember slavery the institution of slavery is is done right they show us that shit in school and say man slavery ended and all was good but after slavery ended you were free. But even as a free person, you had to walk around with your freedom papers. And many of these so-called whites wouldn't accept your papers. Nope, you're a criminal. And they would put you on a chain gang. So now they would pledge your labor. So now basically enslave you all over again. That's still happening in America. All of these prisons are private prisons owned by corporations, just like the private corporations that used to lease out labor. The East Indian Company. The Virginia Tobacco Company. Look this up. These were companies tied to the day to today's wealthiest banks. So all they did was launder and wash their money. So the people should be in the conversation of reparations should be Bank of America, Chase, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo. See, they don't want to talk about that. See, the more we dig into this story of our real history, we can get this conversation right when it comes time for this reparations talk. Because we, we, we trying to have a conversation with the wrong people. We need to talk to the people that got the bag, that still got the bag. And we got to ask them, how did you get that bag? Because your family were poor white slaves, my G. How'd you get the bag? In fact, up till the 1900s, 90% of the so-called white population were illiterate, couldn't read or write. Make it make sense. They keep trying to make you think that you were stupid and poor and you came from poverty. When in fact, all they did was clean up, put on some new clothes. The emperor got a new groove, you know what I'm saying? Prada, the devil wears Prada. All they did was dress up the pig pen. Dress up their dark, dirty history. All they did was wash their face. <laughs> right. The convict label was so ubiquitous that it prompted Samuel Johnson's remark on Americans. Sir, they are a race of convicts and ought to be content with anything we allow them short of a hanging. This was a this was a mindset, you heard? towards their own people because you got white 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 and you got these other whites white white are land property owners that have the right to vote they got the bag this other white shit is these different class of people that just get treated a little bit better than the nigga 
but they still niggas to the elite. That's the illusion of this middle class, low class, white class. Bro, it's the have-nots and it's those who got the bag. It's only two sides of the spectrum. Don't be fooled. And that's the illusion. Everybody's trying to get the illusion of inclusion that I individually made it while your people at large are still being oppressed. Make no mistake about it. But even an exclusive focus on the indentured servant or apprentice class cannot conceal the fact of white slavery because very often the distinctions between the two blurred, right? Where they talk about indentured servitude and then chattel slavery that would be perpetuated generationally. But it both was created out of the same system. We want to make money off of human labor and we don't care what color your skin is. Large companies did not deal solely in convicts. Some participated in the indentured servant trade so that servants and convicts were at times transported on the same ship. <laughs> Edith claimed that planters too generally conceived an opinion that the difference is merely nominal between the indentured servant and the, con and the convicted felon. Another believed that the, they, the indentured servants, are obliged to serve like slaves or convicts and are the same footing. Such observations do afford tantalizing evidence that some white servants were gradually becoming associated in the public mind with convicts. And further, that many convicts were already viewed in much the same way as the slave. So you have no rights. Now, let's parallel that with today. Did you know that the first people that were forced the, the experimental vaccines, the COVID shit, were people that were incarcerated? They waived their rights. People that were in the insane asylums. In fact, in New York City and all the, the psychiatric hospitals, they waived consent and vaccinated all these patients. This is the kind of shit they don't talk about. This is why the Third Eye High podcast is so important. Subscribe to the podcast on all podcast streaming platforms. Because I'm talking about caring about humanity, right? We're not making this a race thing. I'm talking about ill treatment towards humanity. That has to stop. That we all not paying attention to. But as I said, they forced the vaccination on people in the jails. Do many of the people's family know that? That they waived their rights because you a convict? Like, yo, I don't care what you did. You're a human. Some people, that their sentence is going to end at some point. So how do you tell these people that were forced to vaccination? Well, shit, look at the mindset of these so-called whites. The state of Massachusetts is trying to push in 2023 a law on the books that they're pushing through the Senate all the way up to Congress that inmates can get time reduced off their sentence if they donate an organ or give bone marrow. Now, if that's not a part of organ harvesting, I don't know what is. See, all of this stuff is right in front of our faces. It's been hidden for some years, but now the veil has been lifted. Now, either you're continued to be distracted. I don't want to see the truth, but the truth is going to be at your front door. The truth is now the elephant in the room spitting peanuts in your face and you can't ignore it. Man, this is this is very disturbing. The process of sub, suf, uh, subterfuge and entrapment 
white apprentices were regularly transformed into white slaves, as we shall see. So remember, they first would say you'd be a white apprentice where you would be an indentured servant. You would work maybe seven years at a contract and they would teach you a trade. That was the hook. But then once you got into the contract, they never let you out the contract. They said, nigga, you're a criminal. I ain't got to honor no contract with you. So then they now would pledge your labor for life. And if you had any children during the course of this contract, your child is now my slave, my property. Compensation of a contract that was fraudulent to begin with. See how this stuff morphed? See, we're looking at this with a broad brush, like they just grabbed all these people from Africa. And nah, this this not how this, how this happened. Now, I'm not taking away from our story. I'm just trying to tell you it didn't happen for the duration of time that they say, and it didn't happen in the context in which they say. And they had to tell it a certain way to hide their enslavement, to hide how many of them got their money. Because if you knew that all of these banks were tied to these bonding companies of these forced contracts, then you would look at the bank that got billions of dollars in assets and say, wait a minute, that's dirty money. Now you ain't got to talk about printing money and where we going to get the money for reparations. Just go to the bank. They got it. And we know how they got it. Bars. White slaves were owned not only by individual aristocrats and rich planters, but by the colonial government itself or its governor. See, we got to keep in mind the institution of slavery was supported by this government. See, they, they, they give you this illusion that you're supposed to be angry at every so-called white person you see on the street. And them niggas is frauds. They family, if you go back to the bloodline, they ain't have enough money to own any damn slaves. Many of their people were enslaved. That's the biggest farce that they pushing on us. Many of these governments of the time, they were pushing slavery. And they got their profits from slavery. You ever heard of the governor's mansion? The governor's plantation? Right, the governors of the states were the biggest damn slave masters. See, they separate themselves from the government and this institution of slavery. And we keep thinking, well, damn, who are the, the people we supposed to... Guess what? The only people that received reparations from slavery were the slave masters. They were compensated up to $125 per slave that they freed, black and white. And I keep telling you, the Emancipation Proclamation was a hustle. Lincoln didn't free nobody. That's why it doesn't mention free all these niggas from Africa we sold. It says free all such persons held in bondage. Don't believe me? Read it. See, in school, all that shit went over our head. But I was that kid in school like, yo, they don't say people from Africa. They don't even say the countries in Africa. So were we really stolen from Africa? No such thing as an African-African, my dude. You talk to somebody from Africa, they're going to tell you the country they came from. My brother, I'm Nigerian. I'm from Nigeria. He's not going to tell you an African-African. That's your ignorance. So he'll entertain it, but so far. But you look on somebody's passport from the continent, it's going to tell you the country they come from. You get on a plane, you don't just fly to the shape of Africa. See, that's what we think. I'm going to fly to, to the motherland, to the shape of Africa. Nah, buddy. You fly to somebody's airport, you fly to somebody's country. Why don't you know which country in Africa they took you from? In fact, 
16, all the way up to the 16, uh, 20s, they speak of only 20 so-called Africans coming on here on a ship called the White Lion. Many of them were indentured servants. In fact, one of them, Antonio Johnson, he amassed thousands of acres of land and he had hundreds of slaves, so-called black and white. This was a brother. They don't want to tell you about that because then the, the, the water gets money. And then it's like, oh, you got to really invest in this situation because the institution of slavery was that, a business. And everybody was getting a bag. Continuing on. White slaves included not just paupers, but such wicked villains as vagrants, beggars, disorderly, and other destitute persons, as well as white children from the counties and towns of Britain who were stolen from their parents. Through no Harriet Beecher Stowe rose to prominence in chronicling the anguish and hardships of these enslavements of white children. Look up uh, the author Harriet Beecher Stowe. She wrote a lot of uh, uh, works on this white slavery. White political prisoners sold into slavery. <laughs> that, that should sound funny in itself. <laughs> white political prisoners, you know what I'm saying? So they were political prisoners like uh, Geronimo Pratt and, uh, <laughs> oh my God, you know what I'm saying? White political prisoners sold into slavery, page 68. A large number of white slaves arriving in America described as convicts were actually political prisoners. You don't say political prisoners, man. Like, 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 uh, oh my God, like Geronimo Pratt, like, um, Matulu Shakur. Oh my God, they were white political prisoners of the Scottish troops captured at the Battle of Worcester. More than 600 were shipped to Virginia as slaves in 1651. So, if they were shipping white slaves to Virginia in 1651. When did they have time to go to Africa to steal some, some black people to enslave them? Make it make sense. Wouldn't it be cheaper to just enslave the so-called black people that you found on the land that you're trying to steal? Come on, guys. Let's, let's, let's use our common sense here. We are thinking people. It's time now to use our common sense. It's 2023. You can't be continuing to tell your baby this middle passage bullshit. And that's what it is. Say it with me, guys. IAB. IAB, it's all bullshit. And we gotta get the facts straight. We gotta deal with this facts over feelings. Yeah, that's a that's a term that I coined. 2016, I coined the phrase facts over feelings. Everybody stole it and been running with it ever since. But it came from me, JF Bay. Trademark. Continuing on. The Scottish troops captured at the Battle of Worcester, more than 600 were shipped to Virginia as slaves in 1651. The rebels of 1666 were sent as slaves to the colonies, as were the, the mammoth rebels of 1685 and the Jacobites of the Risings of 1717. Now keep in mind, they had a law in America and the 1700s that said black people can no longer buy white slaves so if these people weren't being enslaved by us and their own people 
why did they have them make a law that say black people can't buy slaves if there weren't so-called black slave owners? See, they're hiding this history because they would have to really unfold it all and talk about it all. But then they would have to show you all these trading companies that transformed and cleaned themselves up and became Fortune 500 companies. How did they become Fortune 500 companies? How did all these companies get on the Forbes list? All of their money is dirty money. All of their money is slave money. Now, if you look at the national deficit, right, where they show you the national debt clock, that's the reparations ticket they owe our people. Add us up. That's a little secret I'll give you guys. It is now commonly accepted that the African slave trade could not have operated for over three centuries without the active participation of some African states and political leaders. The human merchandise was obtained largely as a result of political conflicts between neighboring states and tribes. So keep in mind, because you'll have some people argue, well, black people enslaved black people. This shit was a business. So you had countries in Africa that were warring with other countries. So they would enslave neighboring countries and sell them to people. This has taken place. But it's not too slight to say, well, we, our people were a part of the slave. Everybody was getting to the bag. So you got to take your feelings off the table and look at this as an institution of a business. But then you understand the players that were in this business. See, we're not letting nobody off the hook. But we're not trying to say, well, our people were a part. Not, we ain't doing that. We ain't doing the point the finger thing. I'm just trying to put it in context to show you that many of these people that were enslaved didn't come from Africa. Not to say that there were people shipped, but I'm trying to tell you that you're indigenous to this land here. Not to take away from your family on the continent over there. But if you're indigenous to the land, you're, you're God's first people, then it serves to say that you will be indigenous to all of the continents. Look at some of the elders in Australia. Very dark complexion. But they're not black because black is not a national identity. To quote one of our famous scholars of our time, Dr. John Henry Clark, there's nothing wrong with the word black. Nothing at all. Just doesn't relate to a land, history, or culture. The proper name of a people must always relate to land, history, and culture. That's a quote from Dr. John Henry Clark. See, all of our people like to perpetrate these guys were famous black scholars when they was trying to get the record right. They wasn't hanging on to this. Even Dr. Ben spoke of the Moors, spoke of the Moors being us, spoke of the people that why they call you black more and then they took off the term more and just called you black and this is why we argue with people from Puerto Rico and and all of the people from the islands that have pride from being from the island and they all got their flag and we say they don't want to be black well their ancestors taught them black denotes to an unknown ancestry they know we family but they're not going to disrespect their ancestors by calling themselves invisible and that's what I'm trying to get my people to wrap their heads around. I'm not disrespecting you when I say you ain't black. If you was in the 1700s and somebody called you black, we'd have a fight. What if I called you a Negro? How would that roll off the tongue? You'll look at me crazy. What if I called you color? What's up, my color brother? You'll look at me fucking crazy. What's up, my Negro friend? But 
but you salute me when I call you an African-American. When it's all the same. Misnomer. Cutting you off from your true ancestors. They show you these paintings and statues from Africa. Look at the black people. Because the statue's black. That don't mean the people were calling themselves black. To quote John Henry Clark again. I did not say Cleopatra was black. I quoted someone else who inferred that. Scholars got it right. The true ones, not the ones that got paid off. The real ones that was putting that work in. Research some of Dr. John Henry Clark's work. He got busy. He, he went at in a lot of good debates with some of the Jewish scholars of all the times. And that brother got busy. Put it down. Salute to all those that got it right. Dr. Khalid Muhammad, peace be upon him. I'm a Moor. I wouldn't come into my house and say that I'm not if I wasn't. Research what that is. Do me a favor. Look up the term Blackamore. In fact, look up Blackamore and just click on images on Google. And it's going to show you your people that were classified as slaves. And then they got all of this art that all of these Europeans are owning. You got lampshades and, and tables and, 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 and all of these high-end art pieces. Million-dollar pieces of people that were slaves. I. They know who the fuck they, 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 they honoring. That's why all across the country they pay homage to the Moors. We're not talking about a club or a group. So don't get miskin screwed. That was later perpetrated to someone just in a temple and this and that. Nope, you ain't got to be in a temple to be of the Moorish bloodline. They know who you are. But again, I'm not trying to indoctrinate you. I'm just trying to get us to start digging. Stop arguing and start digging for the truth. Because it's right in front of us. And isn't it about time? Isn't it about time? 1717, they still was shipping in these white slaves. And the only people that came on ships were these white slaves. When they shipped your people in, when they speak in these history books, that they shipped these niggas from Africa to this land, they might have shipped you from a state that wasn't a part of the 13 colonies. And now they say you were shipped in. Moving on Less well known are the ways in which white slave laborers were obtained From the British Isles of the West Indies Plantations in the 17th century The English state uh, ruthlessly rounded up victims of political conflict And prisoners of war See that's what our people are And I'm never going to refer to my ancestors as slaves Prisoners of war, POWs, because that's what we were, prisoners of war. Prisoners of war at places like Dunbar, Worcester, Salisbury, and during territorial expansionism in Ireland for sale to West Indian merchants. In this respect, English governments and African political leaders were responding to the same market forces. The crown put tens of thousands of political dissidents in slavery, some being shipped to England while others were deported to the plantations of the West Indies and worked to death in the island's boiler houses, mills, and sugarcane fields. Cromwell sold the white survivors of the massacre of Drogenhead of Drogenheda to slave traders in the Barbados. And therefore, it became his fixed policy to Barbados, his opponents. 
That's what it meant to be Barbados. They would kidnap your ass and ship you to Barbados to work the sugar plantation as a white slave. In 1655, half of the total population of Barbados consisted of political prisoners sold into slavery. Jill Shepard, the red lags of Barbados, if you want to go to that book for reference, page 18. Establishment historians claim that only blacks were slaves because whites were released after a term of seven or ten years of servitude. Remember the movie 12 Years a Slave? That's what they were talking about, these indentured servitude contracts. But that's how this shit all started. These bonding companies would create these fraudulent contracts. Then they never honored the contracts. Then it all just became mad slavery. Chattel slavery, if you will. But the history of the enslavement of Britain's political prisoners disproves this notion. Plantation owners saw it as their profitable and patriotic duty to extend the servitude of the political prisoners on the plantation far beyond the supposed 10 or 20 year limit. British political prisoners were shipped into slavery in America for life. Not 7 or 14 years. Those who survived the voyage worked out their lives in bondage on the plantations of America. After the Battle of Worcester in 1652, the first mention is made of royalists having brought out to Barbados and sold as slaves. They had been taken prisoner at Exeter and Ilchester. From there, they were driven straight to Plymouth and put on a ship where they remained below deck, sleeping amongst the horses. On arrival in Barbados, they were sold as chattel and employed in grinding the mills, attending to the furnaces and digging into the hot sun, whipped at the whippings posts as rogues and sleeping in cities worse than pigs. These white slaves were shipped to Plymouth. You don't say, what is the famous quote from El, ha El Hodge Malik El Shabazz, Malcolm X. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock, Plymouth Rock landed on us. So what he was saying, we were here before the construction of the colonies. What did Martin Luther King say? The Negro finds himself in exile in his own land. His own land. He didn't say the Negro from Africa. He said the Negro finds himself in exile in his own land, kicked out of his own land. That's why they keep calling you an African-American to make it seem like you're the only person on the land that's still an immigrant. And everybody else get treated like landowners. And you the tenant. You get it? That's the hustle. That's why everybody's pushing this back to Africa shit. You're going to find out they're getting government funding to push that propaganda. All of these so-called black organizations, NAACP, National Advancement Association for Colored People. None of us is called colored people. So who the fuck do they represent? They represent the misnomer. They represent the time and period in which they were pushing a false narrative on us. Because you got the NAACP and you got Black Lives Matter. So are you black or are you colored? Are you Negro? Or are you African? Why don't you know? Why are you the only people in history that got 15 different names? Make it make sense. Because the people that owe you, if they keep changing your name, I don't owe you. <laughs> you get it?
Nice little trick they pulled. Interesting, man. There was no temporary bondage of 1,300 cavaliers enslaved in 1652 in Barbados. Almost all of them died in slavery. The enslavement of white political prisoners in the West Indies was debated in the English Parliament on March 25th, 1659. The practice was allowed to continue and was still in operation as late as 1746. Still all these white slaves. So where were they going to Africa taking niggas from Africa? The apprentices, uh, where we are. The enslavement of the political uh, prisoners, March uh, 25th, 1659. The practice was allowed to continue, right? Until the late 1746, when Scottish Highland inf inf infantrymen and French and Irish uh, regulars of the Jacobite army were transported into slavery in Barbados after the Battle of Coolenden. Man, you can't make this up. This is a powerful installment that I need you guys to add to your library. See, you remember the concept, you know, that they would kill slaves if they learned how to read? They was talking about black slaves and white slaves. Famous quote from Thomas Jefferson. A nation that expects to be ignorant and free can never, ever be. See, if the people don't know the laws that's governing them, you can be enslaved and not know it. Slavery is a choice. See, many of the people were ignorant of their condition or how to fight back or how to get out of these contracts. Many of them couldn't read. But once you learned how, you found a way to get out of this fraudulent contract. That's why it was dangerous to read. Because your word is bond. And then you find out these people wasn't keeping their word. Let's look at something. The Fugitive Slave Law. If you're not laughing, you should be. The Fugitive Slave Law, escaping whites, hunted and tortured. Now I'm saying laughing because they've been perpetrating this propaganda that this only happened to our people when it happened to their people first. That's why they keep showing it on movies. So they can hide the fact that it happened to their people. So they could always perpetrate this illusion that they always had the bag, that they owned your people, that they raped all your women. Yo, listen, man, the melanated woman of the earth can produce all shades of a baby. Don't be fooled by that shit, because my mother and my father, very light brown complexion, complexion, not identity, but they're indigenous Americans, very light brown complexion, and I'm darker than both of my parents. But I got brothers and sisters that are lighter than my mother and my, my father. But it wasn't no, because the slave master raped my ancestors. Yo, they've they been lying to us since lying was a thing. And we've been buying it since buying it was a thing. The Fugitive Slave Law, escaping whites, hunted and tortured. The Fugitive Slave Law is enacted to facilitate the apprehension and punishment of runaway white slaves in another suppressed aspect of the history of early America. William Henning, in his 13 volume statutes at large of Virginia, records that the punishment for runaway whites was to be branded and the cheek with the letter R. They also often had one or both of their ears cut off. So that whole concept of branding that all of our people be locked up in these fucking fake Greek fraternities to get a branding 
letter on your arm burnt into your skin, you think you a part of some shit, that came from white slavery. They used to brand their property so if they ran away, they could identify you. Look at all the traditions that we support and we don't know where they started from. Man, we better start doing some damn research. Stop trying to be along, trying to get along with the party. They laughing at you, my dude. In 1640, the General Court of Virginia ruled that two white slaves, principally actors and contrivers in a most dangerous conspiracy by attempting to run out of the country and by enticing divers, others to be actors in said conspiracy, be whipped, branded, and required to serve the colony an additional seven years in leg irons. See, all of those contraptions they show you these pictures of our people wearing, you know, the contraptions around their neck and the shackles and all that, the leg irons, all that stuff originated from these white people. They had their property in these contraptions. You don't say. You don't say. In the stock scenes from Hollywood films like Glory, the Negro Slaves, shirt is dramatically lifted to reveal a back full of hideous scars from repeated whippings. Now pay attention. That Hollywood film. Remember that famous picture they show of the slave with his back all fucked up? Guess who played that person? The new movie uh, Emancipation. <laughs> See, it's all a ritual. Remember they did all the crazy shit at the Oscars to Will Smith and the next role he plays is a goddamn slave called an emancipation he played that guy in that famous picture that had his back all whipped up and shit and guess what the NAACP gives Will Smith the image of the year award for playing a motherfucking slave in 2023 and we applauded that cause niggas just like trophies and little tokens all the while they putting your babies in a sus suspended state of animation got, got them further thinking that all they came from was descendants of fucking slaves opposed to prisoners of war and many of our people were free but their lands were confiscated they don't want to talk about that but shame on Will Smith for playing that fucking role but hey gotta get your money right my dude but they made you a lifetime Hollywood slave look at him on the cover he look like he played that part but you gotta look at his eyes because the eyes are the windows to the soul they broke him that's a man that's broken you don't get that $50 million a picture if they don't break you. But at the height of your career, you're going to be remembered for playing a slave in 2023. After all of the prominent roles that Will done played, man. He's a great actor. But they deduce you back to reminding you that you just their nigga. That they bought and sold. Got you still playing a nigga. And we keep applauding that shit. Come on, bro. I don't need to see another slave movie, man. Where that bag at? Tell these banks to come up off that money they amassed. That's what we need to talk about. Crazy shit. They mentioned this. <laughs> In the stock scenes from the Hollywood films like Glory the Negro, slave shirt is dramatically lifted to reveal a back full of hideous scars from repeated whippings. This brings tears to the eyes of one of his white New England commanders in the fictional film Glory. 
fictional film. Remember the movie Glory? That was starring Denzel Washington. See? They gotta put you in these slave movies before they respect you as an actor. But then Denzel didn't get the Oscar until he played a dirty cop. When he played Malcolm X, phenomenal movie. One of my favorite movies. Didn't get an Oscar for that. He played a lot of great roles. But they give him an Oscar for, for playing a dirty cop. When, when any time they, they, they make something corrupt, they put our face on it to hide the fact that they're really corrupt. The current image of blacks as predominantly the ones who bore the scars of the whiplash and error. On September 20th, 1776, the Continental Congress authorized the whipping of unruly American enlisted men who up the 100 lashes so pay attention they was whipping soldiers <laughs> this is this government they was whipping soldiers that was punishment see the institution of racism is rooted in the government itself but they keep separating it like it was these racist white people that was running around freely just doing this shit when all of these were bonding companies Fortune 500 companies of today, banks, insurance companies of today that are multi-billion dollar profit amassing companies. But they'll never talk about how they got their money. Damn, they would give them a hundred lashes. This is men that enlisted in the service. There are cases on record of rank and file. <coughs> white American troops receiving up to 250 whiplashes. Walter J. Fraser Jr., Reflections of Democracy in Revolutionary South Carolina. That's the book. You want to check it out. This incredible salvagery represented the level of treatment poor whites sometimes experience at the hands of the authorities in the 18th century America. The officer class came to use the lash unsparingly unappropriated recruits the poor white rank and file. Savage whippings of white Americans also occurred in the U.S. Navy in the 19th century. An eyewitness to black slavery in the South and the treatment of white sailors on American naval ships at sea reported that on board the American man of war that carried him out, he had witnessed more flogging that had been taking place. A plantation of 500 African slaves in 10 years. See all that African slave. See the minute they tie the word African, you think these people came from somewhere else. Many of these people were free people in America before this slavery shit even showed up. They got their land stolen from them. They got kidnapped into this system of slavery. Decade before Millville's account was published, Richard Henry Dana's Two Years Before the Mass Appeared, the author, a Harvard Law student who had signed on a ship to test his manhood, gave the following account of the whipping of white sailor. Can a man ask a question without being flogged? No, shouted the captain. Nobody shall open his mouth aboard this vessel but myself and begin lying the blows upon him, back swinging half round between each blow to give it full effect. As he went on his passion 
As he went on, his passion increased, and he danced about the deck, calling out as he swung the rope. If you want to know what I flog you for, I'll tell you. It's because I like to do it. It suits me. That's what I do it for. The man wretched under the pain until he could endure it no more. No more longer. When he called out, Oh, Jesus Christ, oh, Jesus Christ. Don't call on Jesus Christ, shouted the captain. He can't help you. Call on Captain T. He's the man. He can help you. Jesus Christ can't help you now. You can see your condition. You see where I've got you all, and you know what to expect. I'll flog you all, fore and aft, for the, for the cabin boy up. Now, this was happening on the U.S. Navy ships. Now, keep in mind, a lot of this child sex trafficking and all this shit, a lot of this stuff was going on in the U.S. Navy. You ever heard of the term cabin boy? Cabin boy. Right, they're a little cabin boy. A little boy that used to stay in the cabin with them in the, in the captain's quarters. Well, why didn't he have a, a, a woman in the cabin? He had a cabin boy. Put a pen in that. <laughs> See, a lot of their behaviors transfers into these systems of government and all this because remember their habits are hard to break interesting stuff guys so what I'm gonna do I'm gonna close out I encourage everyone to pick this book up I can I can go on and on until I get to the end of the book it's it's a great read I want you guys to add this to your library man I'm telling you they they hit everything from us but it's in the books because it's not hidden but they know we're in the information age where everybody's just scrolling. And if it's not a minute clip on TikTok, you're not paying attention to the shit. But I salute those that can listen to me build on history for about two hours. See, this podcast is very needed. It's relevant because we're going to get this story right. And it's a lot of young people that listen to my podcast. Who would have known? Right? Because... They don't teach this kind of history in school. They lit. They like, bro, this podcast, man, I'll be in the hood with the homies. We roll up. Hey, roll up. Do what you got to do. But the kids are getting the information. So we putting the medicine and the food. This is the Third Eye High podcast. I am your host, JF Bay. And I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. And this is another installment of the book report. Add this book to your libraries. And I encourage everyone to subscribe to the podcast. You spent your highest form of currency. You paid attention. So I'm compensated. I give thanks for your donation. You can donate in the following ways. You could share the podcast. You could talk about what you heard on the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast, Third Eye High, on all podcast streaming platforms. If you want to send a monetary donation, hit my cash app, dollar sign, far out flow, F-A-R-O-U-T-F-L-O-W dollar sign far outflow is my cash app if you want to send a donation but as i said i don't do this for the likes i do this for the love so i'm compensated either way until next time this is the third eye high podcast i am your host jf bay and i'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit and at third eye high we deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture want to shout out some of my listeners black pearl thanks for tuning in Christopher, thanks for tuning in. Michael J, thanks for tuning in. King Buchanan, thanks for tuning in, bro. Uh, Ishmael, thank you for tuning in, my brother. Uh, Vox, thanks for tuning in. Daryl, Reggie, Brian, Elizabeth, thanks for tuning in. Charlie, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Cassie Cage, Felisa K, 
uh, Talita, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Petra, Joe, Bill, Doobie, Jason, High Level Podcast Show, thanks for tuning in. Zenith, Just For Us, Ricky, uh, Taylor, Michael, and Jill Leonard, thanks for tuning in. Drew uh, Glasgow, thanks for tuning in. Daniela Grant, uh, Daquan McKnight, Alyssa Mitchell, The Clarity uh, Concierge, Andrew Johnson, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Katie Jones, Andrea, and everyone else listening to the podcast at large, thank you for tuning in. I could not do this without you because it's one thing to want to tell the truth and stand on the truth and share the truth, but it's another thing when people pick it up, right? And take it to all four corners of the earth, right? Because this is what this is about. And if this subject matter doesn't interest you, play the podcast for your babies. I guarantee you something's going to wake up in their DNA because they came here for the truth. They didn't come here to be lied to. They didn't come here to watch another slave movie in 2023, 2024. We done with that. We done with that. And we're not voting for anyone in these political offices until they get it right. Where that bag at? Where that land at? You owe us way more than 40 acres and a mule with interest, my G. Oh, not a handout. You owe. And you guys will make it right. And salute to all of these writers that are making sure these records are intact so we can get the conversation right. We're not trying to hate nobody. We're not trying to promote anger. We're trying to get to clarity. Clarity. See, when I was in my younger years, yeah, I was angry because I knew that they were lying to me with a straight face. But the more I started to dig for the, for the truth in this story, the more I found it. Until next time, guys. As I said, I'm not looking for followers. I'm looking for leaders leading themselves to the truth. Peace, love, more light. Give thanks.